You're listening to Nick Luck Daily. This edition is brought to you by Fitzdares, by the Racehorse Owners Association, and by Thoroughbred Racing Commentaries Global Rankings. Thank you for listening to episode 38 of the Saturday edition of the Nick Luck Daily Podcast. It's Friday the 20th of May and my name's Charlotte Greenway. This week I think we've all been reeling in the performance of Baid in the Group 1 Locking Stakes at Newbury last Saturday. And it was this performance that fired the William Haggis trained unbeaten Colt to the top of the TRC rankings. And on Monday morning, Dave Yates was asked whether Baid really is the best we've seen since Frankel. I certainly think he is. I mean, the um, obviously he was six from six at three. We didn't see Baid at two. And I think that probably talking to, to former experts subsequent to the lock-inch at Newbury on Saturday, that... The, the the bare bones of the form, which are you know a three and a quarter length beating of real world, did Baid have to improve on what he did in winning uh, the Prix du Moulin and the QE2 on his final two starts uh, last year? Well, probably not. But it was the manner of uh, in, it was the manner in which he did it, wasn't it? Just this, I think, was a I'd call it a representative field in the lock-ins. We had uh, Real World, a Group Two winner. Chindit was third, of course, who is probably two notches uh, below the top level. In fourth, Alcohol Free, of course, uh, a Group One winner, multiple Group One winner of last year. Mother Earth, the 1,000 Guineas winner of 2021, was a bit disappointing in seventh, but I think that it stacked up as a as a lock-ins and one by one. They came off the bridle and towards the far side, Jim Crowley was stalking the leaders on Baid and it became quickly apparent that his mount was going much more easily than the others. And when he asked Quicken to go, uh, Baid to Quicken and go away and win the race, that's exactly what he did. There's a couple of cases from Ireland which have dominated the headlines this week. The first of which has been the 15-month ban handed to train at Paddy Hayes, as Lydia Hislop explained. Paddy Hayes had his licence suspended for 15 months by the Irish Horse Racing Regulatory Board and this followed um, a case that caused him to come before the NACE Circuit Court for a single case of animal neglect, a horse that's referred to in the IHRB case as a four-year-old grey gelding, um, a requinto gelding. Um, At court um, last year, um, this uh, ultimately ended in a three-month suspended prison sentence and Paddy Hayes was ordered to pay £5,000 to a local animal charity in Kildare. Um, this relates to um, a situation in February of 2020 where a passerby um, saw um, a horse in an emaciated state, reported it to the guardie. The guardie went to the scene and apparently um, a vet was summoned and the horse was found to be in an emaciated state with a cardiac murmur and prolapsed penis. Um, shortly afterwards, the animal was euthanized because of his poor prognosis, prognosis for recovery. Um, this uh, eventually reached the IHRB referrals committee 
Um, and on Thursday of, of last week, they decided to give a 15 uh, month sentence. And this was uh, under Rule 272, which is uh, bringing a horse, uh, bringing horse racing into disrepute. There were other, other um, more inverted commas minor breaches, but this was the, the main point. Jane Mangan then provided an overview this morning of trainer Kieran Cotter's find for the administration of Cobalt, as well as his intention to appeal. Been in the business 26 years with a license. He was fined €27,500 and ordered to pay 7500 in legal costs after being found guilty of serious misconduct by the IHRB. He was fined €20,000 for failing to maintain his medical register and €7,500 for rule breaches attached to the positive cobalt sample uh, taken from Slade Runner, who was subsequently disqualified from a Dundalk race, which was run in January of 2021. Quoting him from the Racing Post today, he's saying, you know, he had a, he was fully cooperative and engaged with the inquiry from the outset. He's had a clean record uh, for over two decades, and he's therefore astounded at the severity and the dis disproportionate fines imposed on him and that's what he's appealing. When you read the entire IHRB report which is published on their website, the number of complaints which they found substantiated uh, listed here are the presence of a large number of syringes and needles in the barn, the apartment the apparent use of veterinary medicines other than under veterinary supervision, which was suggested that Mr. Cotter was self-medicating some of his horses in his care, used syringes and needles that were left lying in a number of locations on the premises, which Mr. Cotter stated he was not aware of where they were and did not know where they came from and said he'd never used them. And then the reckless disregard for the potential effects or consequences to administrative administering the cobalt drench to Slade Runner in particular. Uh, am I surprised he's appealing? No, but the report doesn't read well. The final derby trial took place this afternoon at Goodwood, where Lionel won for David Menuisier. He's not in the derby, but he may well be one for the St Ledger later on in the season. Possibly the most significant derby news of the week is that Frankie Dettori will ride the Donnacro O'Brien-trained Piz Vadil over Gavin Ryan, who has partnered the horse on all of his three starts to date. And here's what Lee Moth said made of this decision. I think it's interesting in the sense that I think most people, Nick, would have assumed that Dettori would be on one of the Aidan O'Brien-trained horses yes. in the derby. John Gosden hasn't got a derby runner. Frankie last year actually was set to ride for Aidan O'Brien in the derby on high definition. Uh, only for Aidan O'Brien to decide that he'd only have the one runner, so high definition wasn't available to him. But on this occasion, if we assume that Dottori, sorry, that um, Ryan Moore will ride the, the Leopardstown Derby trial winner Stone Age, Frankie Dottori would have ridden, I think we can assume, Changing of the Guard, United Nations or Star of India. So it looks to me as though Frankie has looked at those horses and concluded that he believes that Piz Badil has a better chance of winning the race. And the booking of Frankie de Torre, I think, really is a major vote of confidence. Sticking with the Irish theme, there's three Group 1 races from the Curra this weekend, where on Saturday, Native Trail will be looking to win a third Guineas in 2022 for Charlie Appleby. Then in Sunday's 1,000 guineas, Newmarket Third Tuesday heads the market for the Coolmore team, along with Dermot World's Homeless Song. Also on Sunday is the Group 1 Tattles Irish Gold Cup, where State of Rest will aim to win his first Group 1 on Irish soil, 
but they'll have to contend with Lord North, who of course dead-heated in the Dubai turf last time. Another in the race is Alan Kerr, who was back in sixth that day in Dubai, and his trainer William Haggis spoke to Nick about his horse's chances and first started by explaining how he came out of that race. Yeah, he was a bit battered and bruised when he got home, but he's back in good form now. And um, just hope we get a bit of rain. I think it, I think rain is quite important to him, especially at this trip. And prior to that, he'd recorded a really good time when he beat Lord North at, at Lingfield. Uh, do you see him as a slightly faster horse this year than perhaps you'd imagined last year? Well, all his best form, Nick, is is at a mile and a quarter. You know, he's second in the Jodmont and, and uh, as you say, a good effort in the Winter Derby. Um, and he beat Yabir and Adair in the Sandown Classic trial last spring. So, but I've always felt he was a mile and a halfer. But, uh, you know, he's he, he's running well at a mile and a quarter and I'm desperately keen to try and win a Group 1 with him. So... This was the obvious race to go for. Yeah, it looks a good opportunity. You run a filly called Purple Pay in the Irish 1000 Guineas. She's one of the more experienced horses in the field because she had a whole bunch of runs in France, in the provinces and at the Paris tracks for for Cedric Rossi. She's come to you. What do you think of her? Uh, She's a sweet filly and very able filly, Uh, very kind, Um, you know, relaxes well. Uh, she doesn't, to me, have a soft ground action, although most of her good form is on soft ground. Uh, she looks uh, to have a fluent action. Um, and we've sort of planned this, you know, the Jacksons forked out €2 million Euros for her. So, you know, they want to be trying to run in Group 1s. And uh, she, she's a little bit to find on the book, but she's pretty useful filly. Alan Kerr is owned by M&M Stables and managed by bloodstock agent Armando Duarte, who sourced him from Tassels as a yearling for 80,000 guineas. And he spoke to Nick about what first attracted him to this horse at the sales. To be honest, it is, I look at every single horse at the sales and when he came out, I still remember the box when he came out. When he came out, he was horses in class and he has something about him. And in three strides, I just want to buy him. That was as simple as that. And after I just, I couldn't get him out of my mind. And were you quite surprised that you could get him for 80,000 guineas? Did you think he'd make a lot more than that? Well, I always thought he would make more than that. But being by other flag, um, give him more chance. Um, I think he's he's great value at Tartar Souls, um, book one, horses uh, between a bracket 75 to 150. Um, to buy horses there for sure and Adlerflug of course is a stallion that sadly is no longer with us and really there was a very short window where you could buy his stock before everybody realised he was he was something and then by the time they realised he was something he was gone uh, that is true and, uh, and I wish I could say I knew that's going to happen um, I didn't um, as I bought them uh, as an individual like I bought all my horses I never look at the pedigree. I never look uh, what they can cost um, or not. Um, I just was lucky to buy him to be at the right time and the right place, I suppose. So you don't look at pedigrees at all. How do you whittle down a catalogue to decide which horses you're going to, to look at? Or do you just have to look at every single lot? I will look every single lot in the sale if it's possible. Um, some feelings with pedigree, I try to avoid them because 
I my clients who not they're not keen in buying buying Philly, so I try to avoid them. One slightly pedigree with a, uh, a chance to buy them, I look them. But most of them, ninety uh, percent of catalog, I look every single horse. Well, already um, this horse, Alan Kerr, has paid you back in 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 spades. He's he's won way more than than the eighty grand he cost, and of course he's got the twenty thousand book one bonus as well, which he won. As a, as a two-year-old, um, in terms of what you think this horse is going to end up being, William Haggis said that he still thinks he's a mile and a half horse, but a lot of his good form is over a, a mile and a quarter, and he does seem to have acquired a bit of speed. I think uh, William is a trainer; he knows more than me. I'm just on the outside to look at. Uh, he's right; his best runs over a mile and a quarter. Um, he beat, he done the track record in the, the Winterfield uh, Derby trial. I think he got stronger. Um, he, I think he's between a mile and a quarter, mile and a half. But he could be a, a mile and a half horse if he could sustain that speed to a mile and a half, which I think he can. It could be exciting. But either way, he could go. He can go in any ground as well. And if his numbers are, are very consistent. The last few runs just shows a. A, a very gradual but very notable um, curve of improvement. Tell me a bit about the owners, MM Stables. Their uh, pale blue and black silks are becoming quite a bit more familiar nowadays. Uh, they are. They are from Kuwait. Um, we only have uh, not many horses. We try to buy value for the horses. That's why we got book one. We incentive to buy, uh, you know, book one, bo- uh, book one bonus as well. Um, we go to another sales. Uh, they are nice people. They don't come racing very often, but they are, they are very enthusiastic. They are keen to get in the game uh, and hopefully we'll keep uh, buying some horses for success for them. Of course, Nick has been coming to you from Baltimore this week in the build-up to Saturday's Preakness Stakes, the second leg of the American Triple Crown. But as you'll know, Shot Kentucky Derby winner Rich Strikes trainer made the decision last week not to even attempt this race and so Nick asked his NBC colleague and former jockey Donna Brothers who she sees as the main contenders. Well Epicenter as we know was the beaten favorite in the Kentucky Derby ultimately went off it as the favorite even though he wasn't in the morning line and it's really his race to lose the last time he raced at a mile and three sixteenths Louisiana Derby he won if you go back to the Kentucky Derby and stop the race at the 16th pole, which would have been a mile and a 3 16th, he's the winner. So it's really hard to find anybody to beat him in here. But it's certainly going to be a good race still, especially when you have the coach, Wayne Lucas, bringing in the uh, easy Kentucky Oaks winner in Secret Oath. And, and so there's going to be a lot of other horses and people to root for, but Epicenter's race to lose. There have been three fillies to have won the Belmont Stakes, one of whom was trained by Todd Bletcher, another Lucas assistant. And there have been six fillies to have won the, the Preakness Stakes, two in relatively recent history, Swiss skydiver a couple of years ago. Uh, so 12 in you know however many hundred editions of Triple Crown races there have been. Is that because it's inherently harder for a filly to beat the Colts or do you just think not enough have tried and Lucas has actually got the right idea? Well I think certainly in Europe there are fewer opportunities to separate the fillies from the boys and so uh, European trainers take every opportunity to just race wherever they feel like their filly or their mare fits but in the United States there's many more opportunities to separate the fillies from the boys and in grade one company and so it just takes that rare filly that 
that sort of speaks to a trainer like Wayne Lucas or Todd Fletcher or Steve Asmussen when he ran Rachel Alexandra and says, you know what, I'm good enough to beat the males of this generation. And that's what Wayne would see in a horse like Secret Oath in order to take her take on the, uh, the boys. But again, you know, we'll find out on Saturday. How does the scenario shake down where she can beat a cult like Epicenter? Well, the speed has got to shape up. So early voting figures to be the, the, the horse that's going to set the early pace. Does Epicenter chase him this time? He got a little further back in the Kentucky Derby, but still ran a great race. There's no reason to believe that that's going to happen because Joel Rosario is going to be a board Epicenter, and he's a great judgment of pace. So there's no reason to believe that some sort of wicked speed duel is going to shape up. But if, if Epicenter doesn't run his race... And a couple of the other horses do get caught up in a speed duel on the front end. Secret Oath could easily be in a perfect position to pick up the pieces and win. Once again, thank you very much for listening. Enjoy all the action this weekend, wherever it may come from. The Nick Luck Daily Podcast will be back on Monday morning to bring you all the latest news and insight from around the world of horse racing. Have a great weekend. You've been listening to Nick Luck Daily, brought to you in association with Fitzdares, the Racehorse Owners Association, and Thoroughbred Racing Commentary. Mm-hmm.